This is the Dennis Miller Option. Your source of opinions, stories, and laughs from comedian and inactivist Dennis Miller and his guy Friday, Christian Blatt. What's up, Hiroshi? Let's light this candle. Ladies and gentlemen, Dennis Miller. Hey, folks, welcome to the Dennis Miller Option. And uh, I am uh, with a cat who I really admire, and I feel so awkward because I did Spade's show with him uh, late night now. Is that what Spade Lights out. Lights Lights out. And by the way, Spade and Norm and I are in Thackerville, Oklahoma this weekend performing together. And uh, you want to know how diffracted that show is? Norm's opening. So uh, (laughs) he won't even have to do his closing material. And I can tell you, when Norm is unleashed to not give a shit about bringing the show into the barn, (laughs) that's going to be a wacky half hour up front. It'll be like the uh, Bob Saget roast where he sat on the stage and read the newspaper through yeah. most of it. It'll yeah. Be like, yeah, Norm turns into Nick Cage in that film where he sees all the disasters coming up on a list <laughs> with his kid at a 3-H club. Um, so anyway, I go home after I meet the guy. And he's the nicest guy in the world, Joe. And uh, his name it's Joe Coy. And uh, I, I get home and I'm, I'm saying, oh, I had to look into that kid, see how he's doing. Because I was giving him, oh, I wish you well when you're in Denver. You know, he's the biggest fucking comedian in the world. <laughs> so 40,000 seats at Blades or 25,000 seats at Bladesdale. Break it. When you can hold the house record in Winnipeg and Honolulu, yeah. you know your act travels. Because <laughs> I'm trying to think of anything similar between. I, the last time I was in Winnipeg, I stayed in a hotel that looks like a castle. Do they still have that there? <laughs> oh, no. They put me up in this Camelot Arms or something. It was unbelievable. That's funny. Anyway, good guy, Joe Coy. Joe, welcome. Thank, Thank you, my you so friend. Thank you so much, Dennis. Now, listen, brother. I, uh, I, can, can I interrupt real quick? Yeah. Okay, because um, I, when, I, when I meet, you know, in this business, man, it's like, you, you you get inspired by people like Christian. Dennis and, and, and Christian. <laughs> yeah, of course. And, and, Thank you. And, and when you finally meet your heroes, you know what I mean? So I, I fan I fangirled out, and I apologize, but I don't like to hold back. You know what I mean? And yeah, it's like, you're, you're the guy that I, every, I couldn't wait for the rant. I couldn't wait for every, ah, every fucking thing that you put on TV. I couldn't get enough of it. And it would break my heart when you would leave that show or, or move on to something else. And so I, I had to hug you. And, and no, that's, I had that's that just... show shot out from under me. But after 10 years, I wasn't leaving that. I'd still be there. But I think Mars politics started meshing a little better with HBOs than uh, than mine. But uh, I had a listen, not whining. I had a great 10 years there, and they were great to me. So thank you, Joe. Yeah. That's sweetie. You're amazing. Um, then Carvey, by the way, said to give you this. You just, oh. did you just ran into Carvey somewhere. He Man. told me that... Uh, he said he's the nicest guy. I said uh, that should be the next Joe Coy special. Is Joy with Coy? <laughs> you have got such a nice vibe, man. man. Thank you. And Carve said to say hi. John John Lovitz introduced me. I was opening for John, and John's one that introduced me to Dana. And he goes, "I opening have a surprise. <laughs> I don't want to tell you." This is like thir- 14 years oh, ago. Okay, okay. <laughs> he, goes, he, took, he met me at the lab factory. He was like, I want to take you on the road. You're hysterical. And then, and then we got to Cobbs, and he goes, I have a guest coming, and I don't want to tell you, but you're going to love him. And at the end of the show, Dana walks in. Yeah. And it's just my heart was just like, oh my God, are you kidding me right now? And here I am with everything that inspired me to do stand up. Like, here I am. This, these are the guys that I would imitate in school. 
and now I'm, I'm, you know, I'm getting a compliment from from two greats. Carvey's a stone killer, man. And I saw him in his, you know, listen, he's still on his heyday, but I remember seeing him at Cobb's when I'd go up there, and uh, he and Robin on stage one night at Cobb's was... Man. man, I still look at that like fat man and little boy. They blew the place up yeah. at that time. So, uh, Joe, tell me, now I have a little bit of a start date on you. 13 to 14 years ago, you 30. probably... 30. 30 years ago. Yeah, I started in 89. But, uh, and I you, met you before. opening for a, John is, was 13 or 14 years ago. Oh, yeah, that was when I finally moved to, the, to L.A. Mm -hmm. But when I was in uh, Vegas, I started in 89 right out of high school. I met you at a shoe store. Yeah. I was selling shoes at Caesar's Palace, and you walked in with your brother, and my mouth dropped. My brother Jimmy? <laughs> yeah, I think so, right? Your, well, your was, brother used to always... Yeah, my brother Jimmy would go to with me to Vegas once, so I'm not my brother's a mogul, but yeah. at the time, yeah. he was just a little... I remember Michael Douglas called me once from uh, the Venice Film Festival. He said, I'm with this bald motherfucker over here on the Bridge of Size, <laughs> and I'm thinking, how do I know that attitude? <laughs> He's a finally, after two hours, I think he's like an A&R guy or something. I go, what, who are you? And he's and Dennis Miller's brother. <laughs> I love the fact that he could get all these big uh, titles, but he still refers to, I'm Dennis Miller's brother. <laughs> well, now he's he a player. Say what yeah. he has. I'm Dennis Miller's brother. <laughs> well, I said, tell him to jump. The Bridge of Size, of course, is when you used to get uh, sentenced in Venice. Uh, the Venice jail was below sea level. So you would rot in there. You'd get skin conditions and that. So in the courtroom, uh, between the courtroom and the jail, there was something called, the. Uh, there was a bridge that took you over, and they called it the Bridge of Size. Robin Trower made a great album about it. But what it actually means is they gave you the option of killing yourself and wow. uh, jumping into the canal and drowning. They would leave the manacle on your leg and let you jump in if you didn't want to go. And a lot of guys took them up on it. So my, it was just so funny to get a call from Gordon Gecko saying, on the Bridge of Size with this bald fucker. I go, there's a sentence I'll never hear again. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about 30 years ago, you get out years. in Vegas, and how are, your, how are your chops at the beginning? Um, man? It was bad, because, you know, back then they didn't have, you know, there was no content on TV. There was no, like, Netflix, or Comedy mm -hmm. Central was still doing stand-up specials, you know, they weren't, they didn't have yeah. original content, so that's all I had to gauge, and, and they weren't hiring, you know, there, there was no open mics, mm -hmm. so I... I started renting out theaters and, and booking my own shows ah. and that's how it all that's how it all started so you're savvy man and it, a lot and of kids wouldn't think of that no and i was doing it all i was getting sponsors i was i was making programs and selling the you know the pages for advertisement i was i was doing whatever it took to fly comics in wow when you go out to staple things under telephone poles in vegas you are committed because yeah. it's a thousand and five <laughs> degrees it was. There, by the way i got chased out of every uh mall parking lot uh putting flyers <laughs> in a I, it was crazy. I, I had to do it. My mom did not understand it, but I was like, I have to be a comic. This is what I'm born to do. I'm going to do it. Well, geez, man. It's so fun to see, uh, the, the like I said, in the interim month since I saw you, or three weeks, I've watched the first special, and I'm just amazed. And then I started reading up on the statistics. I'm telling you, folks, Christian has printed something out here for me that <laughs> literally is like Gulliver's Travels. Yeah, so he, I can... <laughs> 
I can't even see the page, but uh, so I'd give you some of the stats. But the ones that sticks in my mind is just the house records you broke. What, what do you feel is connecting you so much to the? Listen, there are feet comics, there are overly aesthetic comics, there are too lowbrow comics. Then there are cats who hit a sweet spot where people just want to get up out of their house, go somewhere, and see them. What do you attribute it to? What are you accessible in your act? What What do you think your main strength is as far as getting these huge numbers of people to come see you? I. One, just keeping the content fresh. So I'm always, because yeah. I, I know I have repeats. They they tell me, <laughs> you know, this yeah. is my third time this year seeing you. So I got to make sure it's it's different for them and then also funny for the new people. So I'm always writing. And like last night, I went to West Covina, some bar, and I, and I went up for 25 minutes just, just trying to work, work stuff on up. Yeah. And, and that's what you got to do if I'm going to do these big venues. I got to give them something new, so I'm I'm always staying fresh and then engaging. I'm always engaging. Yeah, you know, you have a sweet soul. I can tell right away when I met you. God, you were so touching mm. when uh, I met you at the Spade show. I remember saying to Spade, "I don't know this kid, but he's uh, what an amazing human being. You just give <laughs> off such a, a great vibe. Tell oh, me about man. your mom and dad. Uh, Did you get your good spirits from them, or tell I, me about your upbringing? I think it was uh, my mom's side that really. Gave me that that type of uh, family of orientation. Yeah. My dad's side, you know, it, you know when they when my mom and dad met, that there wasn't that many interracial couples. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? I always, I did this one joke on the first special where I go, I'm half white, I'm half Filipino, which means my dad was in the military. <laughs> <laughs> Reductio absurd. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, but it's so true though, because like when I was growing up, all I knew was military bases, mm -hmm. and 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 in that world between those. Those, those fences on the military base, we all recognized each other. You know what I mean? Oh, that's the half white, half black guy. That's, right. the, that's the half Chinese, half uh, Asian. Uh, I, 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 that's the half it Asian. It was a predictable half, cast of characters. Yeah, but it was familiar to us. It was the minute we walked off the base, that's when we felt like not really, I mean, a kind of a racism. Like, you know what I mean? Like people kind of looking at you, not really associating, always asking stupid questions like, are you mixed with something? <laughs> What is that? You know what I mean? Like, and, 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 and that was where I really started uh, to mesh on my Filipino side. Mm -hmm. And when, especially when, when we moved to uh, the States, that's when we really felt like some type of, you know, I, I don't know. I don't want to say it, but like I, I, my, my mom had two other kids before me that were full Filipinos. Mm -hmm. My brother Robert, my, 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 my sister Rowena, which was not my dad's kids, but he's a beautiful man. He still adopted them. You know what I mean? And that, that he calls them his, his, the kids, but I don't think his side wanted to take them in. Yes. And that's where the friction started. Mm -hmm. And that's where the divorce happened. You know, because like oh, on I'm Christmas. Sorry. I didn't mean to prompt No, that. I, I'm I sorry. Know. I don't want to take this. I don't <laughs> no, want to take it down no. either. But I, but what happened is that that separation happened in the 80s. So I had, mm -hmm. I gravitated towards that, that side, my mom's side, because they took everybody in. You know, it's very, it's very Was family. that part of the family it's, joyous, would you say? Was yeah, it, uh, that's where the family, like that's where, you know, uh, we would always meet at this, uh, uh, night to Columbus Hall, and, and my mom would find all these Filipinos that lived in Tacoma because back then they didn't have Filipino restaurants. There was no MySpace, no Facebook. My mom was literally walking up to people going, are you Filipino? Because yeah. I am too. <laughs> you know, and, and then she would start like this community, and, and that's where my sister and I would perform, and we'd eat potluck, and you know, they, all these families would bring food, and it was just great, man. That's why I attached myself to that side so much, and... Well, and what? comedy was my thing. Like, you know, my mom and dad divorced. So when my dad left, my mom was always working late. And, you know, I, I just stayed home and all I'd watched was stand up. That's hmm. all I'd watch. 
It, it's so funny that um, can't tell you how many times I watched you, Dennis. Wow, well, it's uh, <laughs> very can't. nice. You, you're a good cat. It's nowhere near yeah. as many times as he watched Dennis. Oh <laughs> Jesus, I was completely obsessed. I had a microwave prod stuck in my. <laughs> Frontal lobe, and I would just lock in on my pure image. Not um, now, honey. I'm watching Mr. Miller goes to Washington. <laughs> <laughs> when you talk about Filipinos, um, I am the lucky recipient of one of the sweetest relationships in my adult life. Is a 20-year relationship with our children's nanny, Koi Koi, who is from the Philippines. So Are you I'm serious? In, oh, yeah. She. I, it, it's so funny, Joe. She was with us. All those years, and she, you know, not during the weekends, but uh, she would live with us during the week. And I grew, obviously, people say it was family. It was truly family. I mean, I love Koi Koi. And then when my kids were older, she met a man and got married, and he had wealth, and she's in a country club now, and then she has a second home in Hawaii, oh. and uh, she'll send me pictures of her, like, on this beautiful <laughs> green with a, my hole-in-one! Hilarious. And I call her, I go, koi, koi, it's so beautiful, I've never had a hole-in-one, <laughs> but she's so happy in later life, and she gave us such great joy. What a dear friend. Koi, if you're listening, I love you. I miss you. I haven't talked to you in a wow, while. Wow, that's so cool. Yeah, she was such a... Well, you know, at the beginning, you don't know when you start with somebody how that's how it was almost like uh, I had a second baby and you needs uh, help as a baby nurse. And then like after a couple of weeks, she'd say funny things to me and I'd say, you're so quirky, you know, and then the next thing you know, it's like uh, I love her with all my heart. So um, I have a, a, a glimpse into the Filipino people <laughs> and, so the, cool. and the sweetness. We all say we won't judge a book by its cover, but we also know that's exactly what most of us do. Appearance can be everything, especially in a professional situation, which is why I want to talk to you about that bag over your shoulder. Are you still carrying that college backpack to work or around town? If so, time to grow up. Class it up a little, look the part, get yourself a Daniels briefcase. Daniels is a New York City-based men's leather briefcase brand that's making boys look like men one bag at a time. The best part? You can afford this bag before you land that first big job. By cutting out middlemen and selling directly to you, Daniels is able to offer a high-quality luxury leather briefcase at the incredibly reasonable price of $195, comparable to luxury brand names with starting prices much closer to let's say 500. Now listen, they sent me one of this. I'm on the road a lot and there are times I go and do overnight gigs. I fly in, I fly out. I'm not always packing the complete, uh, you know, Samsonite four set. I just like to throw a bag over my shoulder with some notes for the show on the plane, do the show, come back. And I've been using my Daniels briefcase, the leather, extremely high quality. The look Makes me feel like a professional comedian. I'm not coming in weak with that denim knapsack, for God's sakes. Uh, perfect to transition from work day to date night. That's me and my bride. Hey, you know, one date night once a week. You got to keep it fresh. You got to hang off the chandelier. You know that. Um, and it carries everything I need. This week, my listeners can get $25 off their Daniel briefcase at DanielsNYC.com. Daniels nyc.com by using promo code Miller at checkout. That's 25 bucks off one of our leather briefcases. Plus, they offer free shipping. Again, that's danielsnyc.com 
promo code Miller for $25 off a handcrafted, high-quality leather briefcase with free shipping. Ditch that old backpack and start looking like a pro. DanielsNYC.com. I love their leather briefcases, and I am confident that you will, too. Do you think they would make me look like a man, or it's just really everybody except me? Mm, you will look like a man when you complete the transitioning you're in right now. <laughs> it's going to be another 20 years. I like a guy who doesn't pay what he <laughs> can only do what he pays for. Um, so anyway, uh, you start doing it in Vegas. Yeah. When do you when do you come out uh, or do you come here or do you just work on the road or do you it, come to LA? I, I was uh, I, I I was making really good money in Vegas and then so you're I was smart from yeah, the get go. I was man. Money. I'm not gonna lie. I was. I was getting. Uh, because I was getting sponsors, too. Good because, for you. Yeah. Christ, can you imagine? Both sides of the brain work and the creative <laughs> and the business. That's yeah. cool. It was, it was crazy because uh, there, there was this emergence of uh, urban wear. Like, so all these uh, uh, urban wear started blowing up. Like mm -hmm. these, these brands called Dada Footwear and, and Mecca and all these, these brands started. And they went to this uh, convention called the Magic Convention. And I met uh, the owner of this brand called Dada Footwear, which I liked. I'll get through this real quick, I promise. Oh, no. but, uh, Are you kidding me? I love this stuff. Oh, okay. So Biggie, Biggie Smalls used to wear this mm -hmm. tight hat, and so did LL Cool J. He wore this tight, tight hat, and it's just a brim in the front. And everyone was buying it. But there was no internet, so you could only get it in New York. You know what I mean? So I was checking this guy in, and I was and, and underneath, I was the front desk guy, and I was checking him in, and underneath his company name, he said that he worked for Dada Footwear, and I, I was just talking. You were hip to it already. I was like, "Yo, you work for Dada?" He was like, "Yeah," and I was like, "Man, I love your stuff," and blah blah blah. And I go, "How is it working for for this company?" And he goes, "I own it." <laughs> twenty. He must have been 28, 29 oh, years old, wow. black guy, and I'm just like. Are you kidding me, sir? And he's like, yeah. And I told him I'm doing stand-up, and I got blah, blah, blah. I was telling him all this stuff. And uh, he, he brought me a stack, uh, a stack of clothes. And he so goes, you're a brand ambassador before that phrase exists. You're almost I'm an not joking. influencer before I'm that not exists. Yeah. Check this out, Dennis. Um, I told him I did stand-up. He goes, I, he gave me a number to his marketing guy, Carlos Perot, who's still my best friend to this day. How cool. Yeah, and he gave me the number, and I kept calling Carlos, and he wouldn't answer the phone. And this and and uh, Damien is the guy, uh, the owner's name. And he said, "You call him anytime if you want anything. We will mail you whatever you want." And I was like, "Thank you so much." <laughs> so I kept calling Carlos. He would never return my calls. <laughs> so then I just waited uh, for that convention to come back around, <laughs> and I did a show and I wore the gear. The I gear. videotaped it, and uh, and my friends were dancing for another uh, uh, brand in the convention because it was like it's like four hundred dollars to get these passes to go in for the week. You know what I mean? And this is back when it was really big. Like Snoop would be there, all these famous people would mm -hmm. be promoting brands, and uh, and my friend was dancing for one of these uh, uh, one of these booths and. What, what happened is they both went in with their badges and then one came out with two badges and then stuck the other badge around my neck and then I stood by that Dada booth for almost five hours and That's I was right. like, I'm going to go and I'm going to wait and when I see him, I'm going to hand him this tape. <laughs> and literally, <laughs> I, he literally walked up uh, and, uh, and I saw him and I, and I walked up and I just go, you remember me? I was at the hotel. You told me blah, blah, blah. And he goes, yeah, I remember. And I go, he never picked up the phone. Oh, and I go, man. and I go, and I just want to give you my videotape. This is what I do. I do stand up and I, and I told you I was going to wear it and I wore it and I just want you to see the video. And then he goes, what do you mean he didn't call you? Carlos! 
Carlos! And then you see Carlos just pop up out of nowhere, like underneath a bunch of sweaters. Yeah, you like, you yeah. weren't best friends at yeah, that yeah. moment. Right? <laughs> he goes, hey, man, I, I told this guy to call you, and he says he's been calling you, and you're not picking up the phone. He's like, oh, man, I'm so sorry, man. Whatever you want. And then I walked out of there with like another couple grand <laughs> of clothes. And then and then uh, Carlos was like, hey, there's another owner that runs the shoe company because they – this is a long story. I'm sorry. He goes, no, come down. No, Woody, could stop that, brother. I love this stuff. Okay. I love a cat who maxes it out. Oh, Kenny thanks. G used to settle his own door, and I'd say, you're a fucking genius, Kenny, because he'd, he'd put the flute down and get the adding machine out, oh. boom, 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 and I'd say, that's what that's I admire. Right so anyway, there. go ahead. So, so, so he, shoe guy. he tells me that, that Dada licensed the name, and there's another owner owner that runs the shoe wear yeah. and his name is Lance Simpson. I love you, Lance. And, uh, he, uh, he loves stand-up comedy and he goes, this, and he this would love, this he is goes, Providence. Yeah. And then he goes, he would love to sponsor the show. Cause we've been thinking about doing a Dada footwear, uh, comedy jam in LA. And I go, I already have one. The blueprint's already ready. It, it, it's been, I've been selling a lot of tickets, by the way, I've only been selling like 300 tickets a show, whatever, <laughs> right. but I made it sound like I've been selling out the forum. And then, uh, <laughs> And then he goes, well, come on down. So I, my friend, Ristin Rapoila, he's a b-boy, but he knew how to work, uh, he knew how to make flyers on his computer. We made this, uh, whatever, like a, you know, a price sheet. Yeah. And it, it, with all these pictures of comics, potential comics that we're going to bring and, and how much it's going to cost to fly them out and, and, and get a room for them and, and uh, how much the theater costs and how much it costs for radio <laughs> spots. Flesh, right? yeah. I am. I and, love this stuff. And, 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 and we broke it all down. And I remember looking at a wrist and I go, are we asking for too much money? Because <laughs> it came out to like the total was like 15000 which is nothing for a show. Right. Nothing. And, uh, and, then, uh, and then I looked at a wrist and I go, is it too much? He goes... Yeah, you might want to bring it down to like twelve thousand. I'm like, all right, make it twelve thousand. So we started manipulating the the numbers yeah. again, and then I drove. I had to drive my Honda Prelude with a broken taillight all the way to L.A. and I and I sat there in the stock room waiting for Lance for about four or five hours, and he came down just the coolest guy. Looked like a Greek god, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? <laughs> just young, black, rich, owner of a huge company in 1995, oh, 96. Big afro, the biggest afro, light blue glasses. <laughs> his light glasses were matching his light blue shirt and his blue Timberlands. And I'm just like, am I in a music video right now? And he sits down, I hand him the price sheet, and I handed it to him, and he went, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right, when can we start? And I'm like, fuck, man, we could have asked him for 15000 yeah. <laughs> What if he had said, it could have been worse, man. He could have said, I don't do anything under fifteen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's a 12, brother. Yeah. Hey, you look at my look. You know I bet. Yeah, yeah, I don't want to hear that. 12. Come on. What are we 12. doing, slumming? <laughs> what is this? Open mic, motherfucker. <laughs> so the, the first one, does it kill? Does it rushes. He flies his whole staff. Oh, I rent out this Hunt Ridge Theater, which is like an old movie theater from the 40s. That turned into like just like a banquet hall that you can rent out in Vegas. And in Vegas, it's on it's on Charleston and Maryland Parkway, and I sold it out. Me and my mom sold that out, packed it so, out. It was like eight hundred and ninety tickets. Your mom would pound the drum too. Oh yeah, my mom would sell the tickets. Oh, too. tell me about her. Oh, right? she would. She would. She you would, still have your mom. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, beautiful. My mom so I didn't want to go down a, 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 a sad thing for you here, <laughs> but you, your mom must be so proud. So anyway, she's out there beating the beating the yeah. with you I can to always, sell tickets. I can always guarantee my mom sell at least two, three hundred tickets, and then she would also sit in the ticket booth and rip tickets. And I would, and Dennis, I would, I would literally only bring hitters, like, like I didn't bring just some guys. Like I, I these were guys that were 
on the come up, and I was like, you guys will destroy in Vegas. And, you know, and they couldn't get rooms in Vegas. You know, they're only hiring headliners, no. you know, seven days a week, too. It's Monday to Sunday. But you're putting together young, and 127 yes, Yankees, and man, I, murderers my, row. Oh, my, 97, 96, or whatever. I'm, I'm bringing J.B. Smooth. Mm-hmm. I'm bringing... Uh, uh, oh my God! I can't even think of all the names right now. I'm so hyper right Don't now. Sorry, it. but uh, but just just big names. You guys hit the ball when you did get your opening. You I hit re- the ball hard. Yeah, and I remember when my dad saw JB and uh, my dad, his mouth dropped because he's never seen anything like that in his life. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? My dad is a Dennis Miller fanatic. Oh, you know what I mean? My dad right. is a Lewis Black fanatic. But that's my. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that and that's comedy. You know what I mean? <laughs> and then I brought him something like JB Smooth and never seen anything like that before. Ever, and uh, and 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 that's when I knew I was doing something good, mm-hmm. because I, I wanted to do just more than stand up. I wanted to show like everybody, every every color of the spectrum. You know what I mean? So, uh, and these shows were blowing up. But man. brother, some of these tropes have become tiresome by now. But you're talking about doing it when it isn't exactly out there. There was nothing. I mean, everything's so manic now about the. Uh, you know, uh, uh, the diversity and the inclusion. All, I, I get all that, but I want killers at the beginning of the day. Wasn't Always. that a criteria for That's, you? That was beginning? mandatory. Yeah. I mean, I, I, when I'm in the comedy realm, listen, if I'm in the UN business, I want to do the, uh, it's all about the inclusion. At some point, though, I'm very uh, Darwinian about stand-up. I like killers. I, 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 I can't, I don't understand not having fire in front of me like it, it's got i want to be nervous when i walk out i want to also show the people that paid to see me like there's a reason why i'm a headliner yeah you know, and no disrespect to I the guy in front that. of me but i want to show you guys like hey I, i'm the headliner and this is why i don't i don't want to buffer that's so there's true. there's no i don't want to lob you know what i mean we're not playing softball right. we're I playing fucking major up. yeah man Throw it, throw me your hardest pitch. I'm gonna I knock used it to over the follow fence. Carvey for Christ's sake, I, and it was crazy. one of the proudest things I've ever done in my career. People tell me, well, "What was it like the Tonight Show?" Yeah, sure, meeting Johnny Carson. If you had to ask me, when I felt like a man in full comedically, is when Carvey would be out there, and I was the going after him on the road, and I think, "Fuck, man!" And then, you know, eventually we started to rotate, but for a while there, he just said, "Why don't you go last?" It was one of those bluff things where you, you're never going to be a pussy about it right? you know like <laughs> right. I, you just go yeah i'll go last and you think christ he's ending with the church late i'm walking off it's like <laughs> caesar entering rome how crazy it is but i found out there's a good trick you shouldn't come out loaded on the first joke uh i, I took like a second and tried to just reduce the rhythm down oh, get it back amazing. to my pace i was just talking about that last night dennis it's like you know what whatever's in front of you you gotta you gotta massage it just a little bit <laughs> Let let the audience understand that okay, it's it's we're, we're turning the page now. Yeah, we're, because we're, if you come out too needy right off the blocks and they're still savoring the last yeah. guy, your first two fastballs don't don't even connect, and yeah. then you're then you're screwed because yeah. you start to hedge a little. Yeah, that's so funny to talk shop with you. But I was never the businessman you were. Just to hear that part of it is exhilarating. Now tell you me, know what's great? Can I tell you yeah. another thing? So like like I said, this is before the internet or anything, and this is a brand that that blew up in 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 the East Coast. And I'm in Vegas Dada. living with my Dada footwear. Dada. And I'm living with my stepdad uh, and my, my Filipino mom and my white stepdad in Vegas. And uh, these UPS trucks are coming to my house maybe every other week. And Dada's literally giving me about 300 pairs of shoes. It looked like a footlocker. It looked like a... <laughs> Uh, it looked like a, we were doing something yeah, it was very like the illegal. Italian restaurant in Goodfellas where they pushed the furs in yeah. the front door and, uh, it, and 
it, Lance, he was just like, whatever you want to do, just get the name and the brand out in Vegas. Oh, so that's you can, beautiful. He goes, any show you do, if you do an open mic, hand out some shoes, do a contest, whatever, give it. Like, we'll, we'll supply it. Don't worry about us. He gave me his corporate card number. I was flying everybody into to Vegas. And, uh, and, and what's your was, relationship? Well, first off, how is the Dada brand now? Or did they eventually? Corporate bullying destroyed Dada footwear. So oh, Nike good. Nike uh, pressed hard with lawsuits that they knew they were going to lose. And they even told Dada that they were going to lose. And they didn't give a shit is basically yeah, what just, the lawyer said. We want to lose because we want to cripple you yeah. basically in litigation and, 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 and keep, keep uh, you know, going into court. And, and get you with lawyers yeah. and and that's what happened they eventually ran out of money to fight and then they won but by that time they couldn't even no they'll tell you Phil Knight constantly has shades on because he has some cornea abrasion but he just can't fucking look you in the eye <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the, he's a listen I've got a I've got a worm after you brother you're going under the tank treadmill here so at least I'm going to avert your gaze yeah. I don't want to see you that's so funny don't look into my hollow eye socket there's no soul Literally, now, and, I, and I felt so. I wanted to cry. I, I still remember the day when he he goes, "I can't." This, well, how's Damien the and the other cats doing now? Well, Lance the is the one, one I really built my uh, yeah. relationship with. But Lance is the cat who comes down like a glorious uh, yeah. god with the natural like and the blue lens. Yeah, the, just the coolest guy. I remember we walked into Gucci. He's so rich, by the way. And we walked into <laughs> Gucci at so Caesar's Palace. We walked into uh, no. This is this is while the height of Dada, and we all walked into. Uh, Caesar's Palace Gucci, and uh, no one walked up to him. And this guy loved Gucci. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like he would, he would least. Was drop it him Tom out. Ford Gucci at that point? No, no, what? Tom was not even there yet. Oh, okay. uh, and uh, and uh, so this is just uh, him buying Gucci, and and no one walked up to us. I remember them just kind of like eyeballing us, and then he walked out, and he goes, "Dumb motherfuckers! I would have spent about fifty racks if they would have just said <laughs> hi." <laughs> That's what they get for profiling. <laughs> no, you. He wasn't lying. No, you gotta bet. You gotta bet whoever's walked in the door, man. You never know when they got the Wonka tickets. Yeah, man. You gotta get up there. Yep. Quit gravitating I, towards the Asian family. Yeah, I think Hermes in Paris learned that with Oprah at some point. Yeah, she'll buy more than one scarf. Yeah. Open the door. Yeah. So uh, tell me how um, how it busts out from. Let's let's go to the last touchstone you gave me 13, 14 years ago. Yeah. You're opening for love. It's where's the ascension from there? Because right now it seems like you've planted the flag on Everest. But uh, so I finally, what's that time? Like? So Vegas, there are so many crazy. So you things got money. You're not worrying at this point because you come in. No, because I'm living with my mom. You know, well into my uh, late twenties, <laughs> so I'm pocketing everything <laughs> yeah. with no rent. You know, and it's just in a shoebox up inside my closet. Right. And my whole goal was to get to to L.A., but I was just so scared. Plus, I was so comfortable. You mm -hmm. know, and um, and I'm getting, I'm starting to get into the into like the black uh, comedy. Um, I don't even know how to say it. Like I was part of the black college comedy tour. Mm -hmm. I was part of BET's comic view. I was part of, and the way I got those was crazy too, Dennis. Like there was this um, uh, club called Country Star and BET's comic view. I don't know if you remember, D.L. Hughley made that yeah, really sure. famous. And uh, they were doing this thing on the road and I was working at the Dolphin Habitat at the Mirage at the time. And one of the, one of the tour guides goes, Hey, you know BET Comic View is here at Country Star, and I I asked my manager if I could leave because I want to go to the show. And I I, if you could imagine doing tours all day, I'm drenched in sweat, 
and I literally go home because I want to put a suit on, mm-hmm. and I grab this fake resume that I made. You know what I mean? It, my, the people I owe for Bruce Baby Man, uh, Baby Man Bomb, Baby Man yeah, Bomb. Uh, yeah, yeah, Vic Dunlop. Like those were my. You know what I mean? I, Gary Mule did. Yeah, that man. old circus. Yeah, man. Beautiful. And that's what I had on my resume, and I'm like, oh, this is for sure going to get me into this uh, into the show. And I dry, I put my suit on. Don't even take a shower. Run all the way back to this country. Start lying down the street. And, uh, and literally walked up to the security guard and I was like, hey, I'd like to uh, meet the promoter. I, I'm a local comic and I'd like to warm up, you know? And and he goes and gets the promoter. When's the first time a security guard's done anything <laughs> nice for anybody? And he goes, wait one second. And and he goes and gets this promoter. I still remember her name, Yvette Anderson. And uh, and she walks up to the door and she goes, I'm sorry, the show's already booked, but would you like to come in? I go, of course. Are you kidding me? I'd I'm love telling to- you this guy's giving off a good vibe, Joe. Because <laughs> this stuff doesn't happen. And so I'm, they usher you in. They, they sit me right by the stage. And, uh, and I remember there was a Canon GL. I remember this is when Canon started selling the videotapes. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was like a $5,000 camera. And I was like, oh, I want to buy that because I'm going to make better demos. Mm-hmm. Like, just all that. So I remember sitting and I was like, they must do something right because this is amazing. And they're taping it. And I'm sitting next to it. And it's packed. A thousand people in this thing. It's packed. And there's no comics. No one. And now they're yelling. Like, you know what I mean? It's they're fucking like, yo, start this show, motherfucker. Let's go. And and then Yvette walks up to me and she's like, Do you want to do five minutes? I'm like, yes. And I go, I go, do you mind taping it? with that chill <laughs> it's the most amazing camera Let's and stop. this is gonna be the most amazing right Tape demo yeah. ever i'm like yes please if you could record it with that and she goes you got it baby you go ahead and do your thing whatever you want and when you see the light just get off all right because they're late they're of course they're late right they're all they're at the fucking excalibur just right. and i go up and i fucking smash it i still have the tape dennis i fucking smash it and, uh, and then I walk off stage, and Yvette's standing there with this other comic by the name of Bo P, who was really huge on Comic View at the time. <clears throat> and he's like, who the fuck are you, man? I go, <laughs> I go I'm Joe Coy. And he's like, damn, man, you ever done Comic View before? I go, I go, no. I, I go, I love the show. I wish I was on it. He goes, you're on it. I'll say. <laughs> you're oh. on it. And we're going to get you on it by the end of this month. And I literally, that's how I got Comic View. It was the craziest thing. How much time did you do beyond five? And what kind of demo did you have? How much time at that point? Uh, Maybe tops 12 minutes. Yeah, right. 12 minutes, six minutes, dicks. Just (laughs) dick jokes. You know what I mean? That's all. I I didn't know what to talk about. Wow. This is such a cool. This is like Spielberg climbing over the fence at Universal (laughs) and setting up his own (laughs) office or something. That's crazy. And that's how I started meeting all these black comics. Yeah. And they would all refer me like, "Oh, this kid's got a room in, in Vegas. You should do his room." And that's how I started blocking a lot of booking a lot of black comics. Mm-hmm. And then they would get me gigs in LA or or the College Booker, the Black College Comedy Tour. I was the other. Yeah. So he made like this pro because it's all about diversity yeah, yeah. with the colleges. Like you, yeah, you know, these black fraternities yeah, or black it. sororities would book a comedy show, but you know, it the the college would be like, "You need diversity. Right. So there's got to be someone that's not." Of color. <laughs> and I was the other guy. <laughs> so they were like, hey, do you have an Asian guy? Yeah, we got Joe Coy. You got a white guy? Joe Coy. Mexican? Joe Coy. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, Mar- yeah. like Myrna Loy at the beginning of yeah. her career. She was just called the exotic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the exotic. <laughs> I was the exotic. <laughs> 
Well, man, those. So that's how I got those gigs. I remember doing the uh, the the um, the Apollo one night, and uh, the thing I learned about black crowds was, man, they'll go. You know, it's fine. They'll welcome you to the stage. You get around four minutes, and then if your cheese is weak, they're 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 not going to carry yeah. some. They're not going to prop up somebody who doesn't have their bag packed, nope. man. And Sweep them off. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the Sandman <laughs> was waiting Sandman right was off right. to the side. And we're not talking about Sandman. No. We're, we're talking about a guy with some tap shoes and a broom. <laughs> no. The, this isn't Megadeth or uh, who's a who's, who does enter Sandman? Uh, Metallica. Metallica. Yeah. Not Metallica Sandman. My man was, uh, if you saw the Sandman come out, you knew that you were yep. screwed, man. Everyone knows about the risks of driving drunk. You could get in a crash. People could get hurt, killed. But let's take a moment to look at some surprising statistics. Almost 29 people in the United States die every day in alcohol-impaired vehicle crashes. That's one person every, sit down. Five oh minutes, 50 minutes. Even though drunk driving fatalities have fallen by a third in the last three decades, drunk driving crashes still claim more than 10,000 lives each year. Many people are unaware that driving while high can be just as dangerous as driving while drunk. In 2015, 42% of drivers killed in crashes tested positive for drugs. Not so harmless after all, is it? And get this, from 2007 to 2015, marijuana use among drivers killed in crashes doubled. The truth is driving while high is deadly. So stop kidding yourself. If you're impaired from alcohol or drugs, don't get behind the wheel. If you feel different, you drive different. Drive high and get a DUI. Drive sober or get pulled over. Brought to you by our friends at NHTSA. Can I tell you how I got the Apollo? How? Okay, so I, I I'm sorry. I can keep going. Oh, no, I'm just no, excited to tell you. You're the best guest we've ever had. You just say hi, and you've got great stories, great energy. So, How'd you get the Apollo? So I'm on the Black College Comedy Tour, and yeah. I meet this guy named Honest John, who eventually just like we become the closest friends. And uh, Honest and, John, Honest John, old white, old white guy, and uh, but he was he only did black comedy, mm -hmm. black college comedy tour. Uh, Def Jam, uh, you know, he did, he did all those tours, you know, and, and he was the other on the, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so, um, <clears throat> so he goes, yeah, uh, uh, we're on the road. Uh, I think we're in Korea or something like that. And he goes, Hey man, um, I won't get you on Def Jam. Right. And I'm like, oh, okay. He goes, yeah, we're going to do a couple shows and, uh, I'm going to introduce you to Bob Sumner. And uh, so when we come to Vegas, I'm going to call you and, and you come down to the show and I'll get you backstage. And, and, and when I tell Bob that you're funny, he won't put you on. And I'm like, all right, thank you. So they come and he's man of his word. He calls me and I, and I fly down there with my sister Rowena and, and Mark, her, uh, her husband. And, uh, and we go backstage and we meet Bob Sumner, the guy that created mm -hmm. Def Comedy Jam. And, uh, and this is, Dennis, this is great. Sold out at Sam's Town, right? It was about... 1,500 people That's in there. That's a casino in Vegas for the yeah. uninitiated. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, I meet Bob Sumner, and this is what he says to me, word for word. He goes, John, Honest John said a lot about you, and uh, I can't wait to see you go up. So this is what, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you five minutes up front, but I want you to go through the curtain, and uh, we're not going to open up the curtains. And we're going to leave the house lights on because we're still ushering people in here. Don't say welcome to Def Jam, and when, you, when you're done with your set, don't say enjoy Def Jam. Just don't say anything. Just say Joe Coy and good night. Wow, that's the toughest. And then he walks there. away, and I just look at Honest John like, well, I guess I'm going to suck tonight. <laughs> and everyone heard it. My sister was there, and, and, and the, even the, the stage manager was right there. And then, and then Bob walked off, and I'm like, 
I'm like, whatever, this is going to suck, man. I'm going to, this is going to suck. And, uh, and then the stage manager walks, walks up to me and goes, man, that's bullshit. Don't worry. I, I control the lights. I'm going to bring them down for you. Oh, like, okay. He goes, he goes, you go out there and have a good time. I'm going to bring the house lights. Mm-hmm. You know, the house is at about 90%. We're good. We don't have to worry about the ushers. Right. And I'm like, are you sure? He's like, don't worry about it. Just fucking kill it. And they open the curtain, like a little tiny triangle. Yeah, I had to crawl through like a, like I'm breaking into a movie theater. <laughs> like you're being born. Yeah. And you were. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then a spotlight is just on me. And I got to go, hi. <laughs> I'm Chokoi. I can't even say Def Jam or nothing. All these people are like, who the fuck is this Who's guy? This? Call security. Yeah, call security. <laughs> and I, I get a standing O. And, and, and people are going fucking crazy. What did you, what did you pull out in five my, minutes? My big, got joke, click. my big joke is I, I did a Michael Jackson impersonation. Oh, beautiful. And, and, uh, and I could do it. I was to the T good. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, you know, when I was a kid, my mom always made me in, uh, at those, those, fun, uh, those uh, functions. Yes. I would always do Michael Jackson. I was always performing my, to, to the point where I was like, Mom, Michael Jackson doesn't even do this anymore. Right. Like, <laughs> but, but your Tita Lynn wants to see it, so just do it if you want to eat. Shit. So, uh, and I, I closed with my Michael Jackson, and they went fucking ape shit. Oh, I love and, uh, and I walked backstage. They opened the curtain again, the two stage mm-hmm. hands, make a little tiny mouse hole for me to crawl through. And my sister's like literally crying. She's like, oh my God, I can't believe that. You fucking killed it. And this is when Def oh, Jam was like sweet. on fire. Yeah, the big. And, um, and I'm standing there, and my sister's crying, like, oh my God, I can't believe you did that. That was so good. You fucking so good, Joe. <laughs> and Mark was there, and he had the camera, and I knew he didn't fucking record it because he was standing there on the side of the <laughs> stage, but I noticed that the red light wasn't blinking. Uh, and I go, did you get it? He goes, oh yeah, I got it. Go, oh, this fucking idiot didn't get it. And I went back to look at the tape. He didn't get it. And then, um, but he was committed, Dennis. There's he made a it look producer, like, man. He you got five minutes to birth yourself. They don't even give you all the uh, accentuation you need, and he's able to clock peripherally that the brother-in-law does not have the camera it. going. Because Dennis, I knew I was killing, and I and I looked to my right to see if it's being documented, and I just looked at that camera, and I didn't see the red light, and I go, this fucking asshole is looking at nothing right now. Literally nothing. So, uh, so anyways... Uh, uh, Bob Sumner, Sumner is standing there with Rudy Rush, who is the host of the Apollo. Mm-hmm. And Rudy Rush is going to host that night. Right. He's going to be the host, the MC. And right when I walk through, I'm hugging my sister, and Rudy looks at Bob and goes, who's this motherfucker? <laughs> and Bob goes, uh, Honest John Brown to his, his Joe Coy. He goes, well, why is he on? What the fuck? I got to follow this shit? <laughs> what the fuck, Bob? This motherfucker deserves the middle of the show you put. Now I got to follow that shit? I'm glad Sumner cut some heat right out of yeah. the box. For- and then Bob's like, I didn't know shit, man. You good, man. Okay, I'm going to put you on the other shows and shit, man. We got some more on the album. Make sure to call you on the other dates, and then and then uh, Rudy goes. Uh, still to this day, we're like best friends. Being Rudy, do the and, and Rudy goes, "You want to do the Apollo?" I swear to God, you want to do the Apollo, man. I host the Apollo. We got a comedy showcase now, and I want you on it. You're oh, gonna your win sister. that motherfucker. And my sister's just down. like. My sister's like, are you kidding? Because that's all we used to watch with Showtime. Oh, my God. The, the one with what the big curtain where you rub the stump and all that. And, the stump. And, and it's like people are getting booed left and right. And then uh, he goes, you want to be on it? I go, yeah. I'll have them call you probably in a week. Flew me out. Dada Footwear flew me out. They paid for my whole thing. They paid for my room and everything. That's why if you watch me doing the Apollo, which I won, um, <laughs> I'm wearing a Dada. Dada I'm wearing the tight 
Scully hat that that I fell in love with and and talked to and, and I'm wearing it on on stage. That's why I'm wearing. So if you ever watch my Apollo performance and you're going, why the fuck is he wearing that hat? There's history behind that. I'm hat, watching man. it on YouTube. Oh, yeah. yeah, definitely. Hey, listen. I, all I can say is, is, just as I sit with you, man, you are an electric character. <laughs> I can see how all this stuff happens. You're oh, like Zelig you. or something, man. I'm sitting across from you, getting goosebumps, thinking, <laughs> God, all the people they run across who aren't ready to step through are humble about it on either side of it, but when it's time to step through the Stargates, just go, I'm going to kill this, know their business, know how to promote their business, and you're having sent for people in show business. You get a lot of dreamers and some talented dreamers, but you're a perfect mix of the two. I, I'm getting goosebumps listening <laughs> to your story, man. <laughs> it's like an Andrew Carnegie thing or something, you know, like uh, the, how to get ahead and influence people, really. I'm, I'm so happy for you. Thanks, man. Now, now, tell me about... Um, when I won that, it was over with. Yeah, I thought it was going to be over with me. I was like, it's done. I've done. This is what I dreamed about. This is what I I remember standing in the shower and and pretending that I was getting, you know, brought on to the Apollo. <laughs> like this kid's going to do stand up. You guys want some stand up? <laughs> <laughs> Can I tell you, uh, Sean? Yes, uh, Daddy, I'm a roast. Based me, man. I'm uh, a roast. Puffy and Mary J. Blige were on that show. And uh, and and you, you remember, Dennis, uh, all the performers were underneath the yeah. stage. That's where the that everyone that's. So you, if you watch the Apollo on stage, they're performing underneath that stage are all the performers that are going to get mm -hmm. yelled at or probably booed or whatever. They're all it's, it's like it's, it's like, like gladiators. It's like gladiators. It really is. And it's so funny because so many people are getting booed. And then, you know, and we're watching it on the monitors. And then when they come down the stairs. You know, we're we're all like, oh my god, that sucked. And then when they come down, we're like, like, hey, good job. <laughs> you know what I mean? like, we're all lying to them. You know what I mean? And it's just, it's so defeated looking. And then <laughs> no one wants to walk out there. And then if you if you have to do stand up, it's even worse. You know what I mean? At least with dancing, you can you can you can kind of win them back. But if you if you don't get them in the first thirty seconds of stand up, you're you're about to die. And the guy that went up before me started getting booed, and I was standing on the side of the stage. And and the guy the the guy goes, are you ready? You're about to go up. I go, are you ready? And I go, to be honest, sir, no. <laughs> he goes, you're gonna do fine. He goes, he goes, all I can tell you is, um, don't forget to rub that stump, man. <laughs> he goes, you forget to rub that stump. You might as well not even walk no, out there, all right? So it's right there. Rub it. And then go do your thing and just hit them hard. And and that's what happened. And that was it, man. Yeah, they want the history. They want the ring kissed on Yeah, that, man. man. You go out there with that and they're thinking, who's this attitudinal yeah, motherfucker? Yeah, yeah. First sign of weakness, I'm wading in on him. At least if you go <laughs> yeah. out and play the game, they're yeah. saying, all right, he's honoring the lineage here. Yep. I don't know about you. When I first went out on the Apollo, I was getting a little... Uh, Choked up before I went. Honest to God, I thought to myself, I cannot believe this little boy who used to watch The Tonight Show and think, what must that magical kingdom be like? I couldn't believe I was walking out on stage at the... There's like crazy. 10 moments in my career where you go, this is this boggles me. And it's one crazy. of them was that. You're yeah. walking out and you're thinking, jeez. And it's so funny because, you know, when you watch that show and, and, and it, like all the people, I want you to know, back then, this show was crazy. You... It was in selective markets. The times were always Show off. Time at yeah. the Apollo. <laughs> and I just remember Sandman in my head was just like this evil guy that couldn't wait to like brush you off the stage. And, and everyone loved Sandman, you know. And I meet Sandman and he's the sweetest guy. <laughs> the nicest guy. He's in a clown suit with a broom. He's yeah. like, look, man, I don't want to sweep you off. I love you, man. You're going to do good. And uh, He's like Biff at Letterman. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like you're backstage and you're thinking, oh, Christ, I'm so nervous. Yep. And Biff would say, well, what's your final two lines? <laughs> so I know you're. And it kind of chilled it out for me. I thought, 
people do this all the time. Yeah. I, I just remember I was able to gather my breath and say, this isn't as much of a sword from the stone moment as you assume it is. You've worked hard. You're polished. You've got these jokes done. Serve yourself now. Go out there and kick this thing's ass. I, <laughs> yeah. I didn't want to wind my way off into the the night and yeah. say I never I got right there and I didn't go for it. Yeah, it's, exactly. That's a big moment for a comedian, isn't it, yes, Joe? Where you just was. say I, I can be scared or I can slay this. D Dennis, I'm not lying. The, the exit door was right there by the stage, and I remember in my head I'm like I could walk right now because I was so scared. I was like, I can literally just it walk. It is scary. Because in my head, I was thinking, if they boo me, it's done. Like, like I, I, I felt in my head, I'll never come yeah. back from this. Yeah, I had the and, same feeling. And I like, I don't want to get booed, man. I don't mm. want the, the, I don't want to ruin my career. And I, and I was literally thinking about walking out through the back and just disappearing. Yeah, I'd rather do that than to get booed. And well, when young comedians ask me, uh, you know, listen to this, kids. It's fun. It's a great gig. It's magical. You can't believe you get to do it. You're well paid. But at some moment, they do ask you to walk through a curtain yeah. or from the wings yeah. and seize it. Yeah. And you, it, you've you got to build to that moment. You cannot uh, gack it at that moment. Mm -mm. And you can't even allow yourself to think that. You can't think, what if? And I'm telling you, I didn't have that moment until right when I went out there. It was like I, yeah. I, I couldn't activate it. I thought, oh, whoa. whoa, whoa. And yeah. then as soon as I walked through, I said, okay, I'm at least going to roll the dice here yeah. and go for this. Mm -hmm. And when you walk off, I'm telling you, you're juiced. Well, the first time I made David Letterman laugh and then the crowd digs you because he digs you, you think, I the ultimate all high. these years yeah. of eating shit and it finally paid off, man, right there. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Well, listen, brother. Um, I, Christian, I want you to give yeah, some let me Joe's get some of Joe's because you got the type so, that's so small. And yeah. my man has an eclectic I've got, CV. I've got my bifocals on. The most important thing is that Joe's latest special, Coming in Hot, Coming is in now hot. available on Netflix. And, uh, Shot also, in Hawaii, right? Yeah. Yes. Sorry, I think I should let the guest answer that. But <laughs> I did notice it was Shot in Hawaii. I watched yeah. it. I watched it last night uh, with my wife, who's Chinese, and she was trying to do work, and she just kept laughing because, especially oh. when you're talking about your mom, yeah, it was it was like basically right uh, right out of her life. <laughs> uh, but you're also let's see your website Joe Coy J O K O Y dot com yeah at Joe Coy Twitter Instagram Facebook and YouTube. And uh, you know, too many people don't have them all in the one place. And your podcast. The Koi Pond, that's on Starburns Audio, but I assume it can be found everywhere podcasts yeah. can be found. You know, I'm never going to be able to watch that yellow-skinned cat on the fifth permutation of Star Trek named Dada anymore without thinking about that's that story. That's his name, Dada? <laughs> oh, my God. Are you kidding me? I why didn't, why didn't they is... send him some hats? Send Brent Spiner is... some hats in the 90s. The colors clash with the yellow skin of Dada. Was, is... Wasn't he like uh, tan or something? Yeah, he was. It was no, uh, he was yellow, and I yeah. love your reference. That was amazing, Dennis. <laughs> This is why you're a god. Dada! This is why you're a god. The yellow-skinned character named Dada? That's me! And uh, by the way, God rest uh, Kippo Dada, who passed this week, and I just thought oh, of that no. name. The great Kippo Dada, who I used to work clubs with, and he was a stone killer. He does that great bit about the uh, under the sea. I forget what it's well, called. He has, a, he has a song called Wet Dream, Wet Dream. and it's it's all fish puns for like, yeah, I for don't, like three, three days though. It's like, uh, yeah. you know, it runs like the entire uh, length of Inagata De Vida or something. And he tried to get lightning to strike twice because his follow-up was Life in the Slaw Lane. So it was all vegetable puns. Yeah, and that one didn't, just didn't, no, didn't catch on. But Kip, rest in peace, my man. It is a pleasure to meet you. I'm doing Larry King right now and I'm going to jump with Joe over there and do 
do that show. I think we're on it too, aren't we? Yeah, I, I think they're uh, finishing up with the other show right now. So I, I think. Uh, All right, so we'll continue been... out there, brother. I love you, Dennis. Yeah, man, Thank you, you are an impressive cat, man. man I'm I love telling you, man. you, I'm vibing you. Really, Thank I, you. don't ever go nuts and lead an overthrow or something because I'd be following you. <laughs> <laughs> you. You can never turn yourself into a guru because oh, you know man. I'm, I'm going to fall in behind you and then. <laughs> Christ, I'm off in the weeds. I can't wait to tell you more about that blaze and why I shot it in Hawaii. And I, please let me back so I can tell you. All right. Come back anytime, brother. And I, I wouldn't stop it right now, but we got to go do uh, Knock Larry on. I'm going to ask you about it over there. I love you, man. All right. Thanks for listening to the Dennis Miller Option, exclusively on Westwood One. Tune in to new episodes every Tuesday and Thursday on the Westwood One app, westwoodone.com, and on Apple Podcasts. And remember to rate, review, and share. Until next time, that's the show, and we are out of here. From the Westwood One Podcast Network.